Greetings, outcasts, freethinkers, narrative questioners, dot connectors, and genuinely open-minded and outright curious inhabitants of whatever realm we exist in at the moment. You are about to embark on another free first hour episode of The Notes. If you find yourself wanting to dig deeper and have the desire to join the conversation during our monthly Melt meetups, you might want to consider becoming a monthly subscriber. For as little as three lousy Babylon hokey pokey tokens per month, you can have access to full-length, early, and exclusive episodes. Just visit patreon.com slash themeltpodcast or click the link in the episode notes to set the process in motion. It's simple, painless, and very well might make you feel tingly inside. So without further ado, please enjoy the show! This is Hunter Muse. And this is Chris Snipes. And you are listening to The Melt. So there you go. You know my problem? I watch too much news, man. That's my problem. That's why I'm so depressed all the time. I figured it out. I watch too much CNN, man. I don't know if you've ever sat around and watched CNN longer than, say, 20 hours in one day. I don't recommend that. Watch CNN headline news for one hour. It's the most depressing thing you'll ever fucking do. War, famine, death, AIDS, homeless, recession, depression. War, famine, death, AIDS, homeless. Then you look out your window, Where's all this shit happening? <laughs> As we have discussed countless times before on the show, the media is not your friend. It's never so blatantly shown its crooked hand than during the last two and a half years by homogenizing the narrative to the point that they enlisted the entertainment industry and the politicians also. Never has it been so obvious that all of these factions, along with the medical industrial complex and educational system, are all tentacles that lead back to the same metaphorical octopus. The stronger the propaganda became, the more ubiquitous the censorship. It's quite pathetic, really, just as is the ill-founded loyalty to the corrupt institutions of the world, which at this point are all pushing the same agenda. Today's guest, author and podcaster Charlie Robinson, wrote an excellent book back in 2017, The Octopus of Global Control, which is more relevant now than ever. I start off the conversation by asking Charlie in what ways his book is more relevant. Well, uh, obviously, 
when I when I when I wrote the book, I divided it up into eight tentacles. Obviously, octopus. It makes sense. And one of them was the medical tentacle. Yes. And when I was writing that, it was all about the pharmaceutical industry being convicted felons and that they had been fudging their trials and they'd been lying and they'd been caught, you know, and basically like just about anything, any sort of corporate fraud you can be involved in. The pharmaceutical industry had been guilty of it, had been doing it, had been charged with it, had been found guilty of it in court and had eventually either been found guilty or pled guilty and paid massive fines for it. So I was coming at this from, you know, just talking about the, the, as, as, as one of the tentacles, the medical industry being completely dirty. And then as a subset of that, talking about the vaccine component and the MMR shots and um, HPV and these shots that they've been putting out on the schedule. And I talked about how those are extremely dangerous. Now, since then, since 2017, Obviously, we moved into this new world, which is the COVID world. So some of that still applies in terms of the pharmaceutical industry didn't get any cleaner and their products didn't get any better. Now we have all of that, uh, all of the madness I talked about there is all still relevant, but now we're just building on top of it. So we've got, um, you know, the, 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 COVID, the virus that we shall not be named on YouTube. <laughs> Fuck <laughs> yeah. YouTube. We have that <laughs> going on. We have um, rush to market shots. We have we have all these things that that seem you know that that are part of of this octopus. And but we're just seeing it's just a new a new scam, a new version of it. So where. 2017, the book is relevant. When you talk about fraud in the medical industry, you can point to all of the, the, the VAERS court and, and all the vaccine adverse effect damage that had been done. And you could point to that and you could say the pharmaceutical industry is dirty and they should never be trusted and look at all this destruction. And that would be correct. And you could read that whether in 2017 or today, and that would still hold up. Problem is there's now more to it. Or I guess... Another way to look at that is that people will now read that chapter of the book and go, oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. You yes. know, oh, you're, you're talking about the d- dirty pharmaceutical industry. Now, if you read that in 2017 and you weren't really sure and it was kind of news to you, you might believe it. And I cite quite a few you know, studies and, and, and I bring in as much evidence as I can. And you might go, well, you make a good case and this is probably true, but I don't, I'm not sure. And then you go through the last two years and now mm-hmm. you go and look at that book and you would go, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And now I understand what you're talking about. They're, they're, it's corrupt from top to bottom. It's blended in. It's not even in a pharmaceutical industry anymore. It's hard to tell where it ends and where the government starts, mm-hmm. where the regulatory agencies yeah. overlap. It's a Venn diagram where they're all connected. Exactly. So, so that part is as relevant today, but it just, it's just, it's a little bit, it just has a new I don't know if I made a second edition of the book, it would be like now with extra COVID, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right? So, new and improved. Really uh, <laughs> new and improved. <laughs> okay, as in this, I'm seeing the metaphorical octopus, like as where before the tentacles might have been. We'll just imagine it as a gigantic octopus. The tentacles were coming out of the water, and somebody who wasn't familiar with the animal of a of an octopus might go, "Oh my God, what are these different things? They they're operating." Uh, 
uh, on their own. But it seems right. like lately the the octopus is rising out of the water, and we're seeing very obviously and very blatantly that all these tentacles are leading to the same body. They're leading to the same place. Uh, more than yeah, the connections I think have become unavoidable. Um, it's just ridiculous. It's it's insane. It's funny because the octopus metaphor is fantastic. Obviously, it wasn't my idea. There had been plenty of people that had written about Danny Casalero wrote a book called The Octopus. And when he was 44 and it got him killed, I'm like, I'm writing a book about the octopus. I'm 44. I hope I don't die. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> so it went through my head. Um, but 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 you know, there's the the symbology of that octopus i put a quote in the book and there's hundreds of quotes in there but there's one from a guy named john francis highland who's the mayor of new york city in 1922 mm-hmm. 100 years ago and he's talking about this sprawling octopus you know and he's saying i in order to escape from mere generalizations let me call it what it is the standard oil rockefeller interests are yes. this octopus that's what he he specifically was talking about this yeah. he was saying that they have their tentacles in the in the media and in the pharmaceuticals and in the courthouses and in this and and, and in politics and banking and everywhere so you read that and like it's like a three paragraph quote and you when you start reading it you don't know who it's from and you don't know when it is and you're reading it and you're going yes yes uh-huh uh-huh and then you get to the end and you're like 1920 it's 100 years ago nothing has changed like if you yeah. read that if i said it was eric adams mayor of new york city 2022 you'd be mm-hmm. like yep mm-hmm. <laughs> sounds yeah. right exactly. you know maybe take the rockefeller standard oil part out and replace it with i don't know united nations yeah. Really. Yeah. Same thing. Exactly. But, but it, but, but I, so, so this idea of the octopus is, is great. It's, it's actually perfect because if you think about this animal, it's a mysterious animal known to be very intelligent, hard to find it. When you catch one, when you get it in a cage or get it in a tank, it can change colors to blend in. It can change textures to blend in. It can spray ink right in your face and then bolt out of there it can grab you pull you in and destroy you with a beak that's hidden that you never saw because you don't see the underside of them uh and they're fast they can take off and you'll never see them again so it's like it's got all the parts to sort of describe this this group intelligent and dangerous and mysterious and devious and behind the shadows and have the ability to camouflage and blend into when they need to and rip you apart when they need to. But, um, and, and of course, you know, just hard to pin down as far as they're, they're, they're so clever. They're so amazing and you want to just watch it, but you know, you do, you, you watch this octopus at your own peril because it, it, they're, they're planning things and they're putting moves. And then if you're like, you, you mentioned, you watch one tentacle and you go, this is crazy. And then next thing you know, the, the other one's tapping you on the shoulder, you know? And so it's kind of, it's kind of everywhere. Um, and I just loved that, that, uh, I love the symbology of it, but, but of course the, the, the logo itself, the the cartoon logo Mm. is not mine. This is, uh, I changed the coloring and I've made it white stars instead of what it, what it used to, the, the octopus used to be yellow mm-hmm. and that octopus, and this octopus is the, this is the logo for the national reconnaissance office, N R O L dash 39, 
spy satellite that was sent up with this octopus logo wow. on the side of the missile, on uh, the side of the booster. And instead of, and the text says, nothing is beyond our reach. Holy shit. Wow. I did not know that. They're also slimy. Very slimy. <laughs> and, they can, yes, they and, and they can morph into different shapes too. Very true. Good point. Yes. <laughs> Very slimy. <laughs> so, so perfect. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, so perfect in so, on so many levels. So what do the, the eight tentacles represent in the one in your book? So the way we, the way I broke it down and it's not to be, you know, it's, you, if someone else wrote the book, they could come up with eight different tentacles. Yeah, sure. So I'm not trying to say that this is the only one, but the ones I chose were military control, governmental control, covert control, physical control, financial control, media, spiritual, and scientific. And we've sort of been living through the scientific one. Well, we've been living through the physical control one too, where you're talking about overt surveillance and you're talking about uh, depopulation and solitary confinement and agenda 2030 and the end of America and things like this. Yeah. So the, it's, it's just, I wanted to make sure that people knew that there were, there's a lot of ways to keep people in line. Mm-hmm. You know, it, 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 they basically net figure out what it is that, what is it, what is it that you need? What works for you? What are you interested in? If you're, you know, if they want to recruit you into this network, they, they find what your hot button is, whether you're, you know, if you're a politician and you like, you've got a big ego and um, you want to be the king, you know, you want everybody to know who you are and everything. We got that. We we put you in, if you want money, we've got that too. You want to, we, we can put you in a million different, uh, introduce you to all of our buddies. They'll put you on the board of directors when you're done with this job in government, you go play golf for Lockheed Martin as a, on their board of directors and make 600,000 a year. Mm -hmm. No problem. We can set all that up. Do you like women? We got, we got lots of Mitt Romney has binders full of women. Apparently that's what he said. Um, do you like little boys? We got little boys. You know what I mean? It's like everything is on the table for these people. So they find out what their e- where their pressure points are in their ego. And they just make them offers they can't refuse. They give them what they want. And then once they're in, it, it sort of gets explained like, you know, if you ever were to go against us, it would be really bad for you. You know, and I just had, I just talked to John Perkins. John Perkins wrote a book called Confessions of an Economic Hitman. And that just, and that book changed my life in 2007. And I was talking to him about that because in, in this book, he's talking about his job when he was an economic hitman was to go around and make these offers to these guys, you know, high ranking guys, presidents of countries. And he would say, oh, you know, you get this great topography here in Ecuador. We could put a hydroelectric power plant here and it'll, you know, it'll generate all this revenue. It'll pay for itself in 10 years and, and we'll, we'll give you some money and, and, and everything will be great, but look at how much electricity it'll generate. It'll raise your GDP. It'll raise your level of prosperity in this country. It'll all be great. And John believed this for seven of the 10 years that he was doing this. He thought he was actually doing these things. And then, then the power plant gets built and then they start to fall behind on their payments because it doesn't, create the sort of revenue they thought it was going to create. And then they wind up in a bad situation, you know, where like they, 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 they can't, they can't afford it, but they owe the world bank and the IMF a lot of money. And so John would approach them and say, well, you know, you owe our guys a lot of money. 
And, you know, but maybe we can work something out. We can get you to like vote our way in a UN resolution or privatize your lumber industry and sell it to our buddies at Goldman Sachs, or you can, uh, you know, whatever, something like that, some bad deal. So they'd get these guys in these deals where, where, where nothing good happened. But if you said no to the offer, he said, John would tell these guys, and it happened on two different occasions within three months of each other in 1981, he would say, um, you need to take this offer because if you don't, then <laughs> the, uh, the jackals will come for you. Mm. And he, to escape from mirror generalizations with John Perkins' words, he said that the jackals were contract killers for the CIA. And in both cases with these guys, the General Trujillos in Panama and uh, Jaime Roldos in Ecuador, they turned down the deals. And within three months of one another, their airplanes blew up with them and their families in it. Wow. And they knew that would happen. So it's like the mafia, basically. It's worse than the mafia. Yeah. It's the banking mafia. Right. Yeah. They're, they're, at least the Italian mafia has ethics. And, and some form of code and morality. Some form of code, right. Yeah, you don't kill innocent people. Yeah. World Bank, kill everybody. Let God sort them out. You know, yeah. that's their mentality. They exactly. don't care. They, have, they are evil. Mm -hmm. And this group is pure evil. And John figured that out eventually and left and has devoted his life to trying to like help the rainforest, which he admitted he was a part of helping to destroy, you know, not knowing wow. with, with, with this, with his actions, with these groups. So, so when I read that book in 2007, I went, Whoa, okay, hang on a second. That, that actually wound up becoming like the pretext for my octopus book, because I, I'm reading this in 2007 and I had, it never occurred to me that large global banking entities would loan money to countries that couldn't afford it. It didn't make any sense to me. I mean, I'm a, if you're a banker or you're, you're on a bank, I'm going to loan money to people who have the ability to pay me my money back. I got to get that money back, but they didn't want the money. Right. The IMF and world bank didn't give a shit if these people ever paid them back. Yeah. They wanted the control. Exactly. They wanted, and I went, Oh, loan fake money out, take back tangible assets when they default. So, you know, money that just kind of, it's funny money it comes from the Fed and comes. So I'm living in Las Vegas in 2007, working in new home sales, selling real estate. We're giving loans, not me, but the, the mortgage company that our new home sales company owned. It's giving loans to people that have no business getting these loans. You're yeah. never going to be able to pay, especially when the interest rate adjusts in three years. They don't mm -hmm. know that that's coming. Mm -hmm. They signed the paperwork. It's coming. They just don't know it's coming. Right. They're just so excited to get this house. They're going to buy this house. They're going to have the American dream. No, you're not because your interest rate's going to spike. You're never going to be able to afford it. And the, the bank is going to take back this house. Yeah. You're going to loan out fake money and they're going to get a tangible asset. And yep. I went, oh my God, I'm part of this. I had no idea. You know, so- that was sort of where, where, where I got into this was because I'm living in Vegas. I'm working in, a, in an industry, in the real estate industry that was booming, you know, just going crazy. And then it crashes. And I wanted to understand why it crashed. I understood that there was some fraud and I understood that there were irrational exuberance. You know, a lot of people buying houses and buying other houses. I'm going to buy 10 houses and rent them all out. And you can only do that for so long. And I just wanted to understand how it worked. And part of understanding how it worked was John Perkins' book. It was that 
Confessions of an Economic Hitman. And that led me to the World Bank and the IMF. And then I thought, well, this is like a carnival game. It's like a rigged carnival game. Like the, you're t- like try the, the ring toss carnival thing. And then you're like, I can't get them. It's like, you have to understand if you knew how the game was laid out, you would never play it. And so that's how I felt after 2008, nine, you know, all that, everything crashed. I was like, I don't want to play the game anymore, but I, I would like to know how it works. Just so I don't sort of step into that trap. And that's, that's what I did for many, many years, sort of putting all this information together. And then that wound up being the octopus book. Fantastic. So what, in this metaphorical octopus, what is the body represent something different? The thing that motivates all the tentacles and what would that be defined as? Yeah. Well, the, that's the, that, that's the, uh, international, intergenerational banking families at the core of it all that sort of run this whole thing. It's mm-hmm. like, if you know who's, you know, if you have a face to put to all this, it's not the right person. Yeah, yeah <laughs> right. exactly. You go, it's David Rockefeller. You go, he's involved. Yeah. He's certainly, he, he's certainly a pro- part of the problem for sure. But there's always somebody else that's sort of up above and up above. And this is and this is the thing. It's like when you when it's in your best interest to not be known, then you will not you will not be known. You shall stay in the shadows and when and let all these disposable people do your work for you. Let these let these uh narcissists in government come in. They, oh, I'm gonna be the president, I'm gonna be a senator and everything. Oh, okay, all right, yeah, you be the senator. You be the center. You're in charge. I'll, I'll, you know, we'll make sure that you get to where you need to be. You be in charge. All right, buddy. You're, you're just as in charge as you want to believe you are, but they, they run the show. You know, these guys that don't play ball, they, they don't go anywhere. The ones that do wind up like the Clintons. They wind up in position, untouchable, protected, internationally protected. I mean, the Clintons are a prime example of, of somebody that has played ball and have been rewarded with lifetime of protection. Nothing will ever happen to them. So, and that's because they have proven themselves to be very valuable members to the octopus. And uh, they have a role. They have a job. Uh, In Bill's case, it was drug trafficking through Mena, Arkansas. Uh, He was rewarded with that, uh, with the presidency. And from there, they said, now you can start your Clinton Foundation grift and make yourself really rich. Of course, not that he wasn't making a ton of money in Arkansas, but not not the type of money that they make with the Clinton Foundation, where we're talking about hundreds of billions of dollars that goes missing through them. Some people think that uh, the people pulling the strings in this world, there's even something that goes beyond the bankers, something maybe more of a darker or an occult nature. Do you think that there's any anything animating the octopus from outside of the octopus? Like the brain. Yeah, I I... I, I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised. I don't, I've never experienced anything like that. I don't, I don't know anybody that's experienced something like that, but there's a lot of talk about a non-human influence and we can define that however you want. And I, is it pizza? (laughs) 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 It's. It's, you know, 
you get you get the David Icke treatment mm-hmm. when you start talking about this stuff. Sure. You yeah. you you people go, okay, you know, have a seat, <laughs> we'll get you, you know, fitted for your tinfoil hat. And you go, okay, I, I get that. Yeah, we, we I understand there. that. And mm-hmm. I understand why people go crazy, you know, but you but if we can put that aside for a moment, there's a whole lot of things going on that we don't really understand Very and we don't so. know. And if we believe, if we are of the opinion that what we see with our eyeballs or hear with our little old ears or smell with our nose is the only thing going on, we're missing a huge portion of reality. Sure. And, and, and I've done, I've gone down that psychedelic road enough to know that there is a world beyond our eyes. I think that's interesting and cool. And I, and I'm fascinated to know more about it. I wouldn't pretend to understand how it all works I do think that there is a interdimensional component to it. We'll just put it that way. I'll tell you why I think that. Not because I have any particular information about it, because I don't know how that part works. But I believe it to be a a relevant part of this because the people that are in a position of power, they believe it. Yeah. So it almost doesn't matter what I think Mm -hmm. I can go. Oh, that's crazy. Well, maybe it is. And maybe it isn't, but they think it's real. And if they think it's real, it now becomes real to us. Like, like if it's not real, but they think it's real, it doesn't matter because it's a real problem for us because these people are acting uh, accordingly. Yes. They're acting as if they're being told to do something. They're acting as, you know, and this stuff goes back. This is not just like Clintons and Bushes or anything. We're talking about like ancient Babylonian type stuff, you know, sacrificing babies to ball and things like that. Mm -hmm. This has gone on for thousands of years. There's definitely some, some high strangeness associated with this child sacrifices, mass murders, rituals, things like this, all this stuff that we don't want to think about. It happens and it happens in, in, in the form of sacrifices to off-world entities and, and interdimensional beings and things like that. And so it's like, it's very easy for us to go, that's crazy. Of course it's crazy. I mean, that goes without saying it's crazy, but it doesn't mean it's not true. Absolutely. And, and they have, they feel compelled to act in a way that is very unhuman, very non-human. And so when they're doing, when the, the humans that think that they're having access with, to these beings, when they're acting in a way that is unhuman, leads me to believe that they are being told to act that way. They're being told, you do this and we will give you something in exchange because they're very loyal to these beings. And there's always, there's always talk of it. There's always, there's, it always kind of comes back to that. Yeah. And so we think we're so modern and we've got computers and cell phones and all this stuff and telescopes and we know it all, but thousands of years ago, they were doing very similar things, sacrificing kids, um, being told, you know, by, by those on high that there's something else that's, you know, driving them and forcing them to, to do these things. I just, I'm hesitant to be dismissive of that stuff, even though I don't, particular i don't have all the answers to it. i don't have i don't have any answers to it frankly yeah, yeah. but but i don't want to be dismissive of it just because i go it's, it sounds crazy it all sounds crazy believe me that that's just that's just the price of admission is that you're going to hear some crazy things but 
and and not all of it's true, of course, but but some of it is true. And these these people believe it to be true. That's the part that really gets me. It's like it almost doesn't matter what I think or what you think or anything, but it's these people in positions of power on our planet, not the extraterrestrial types, but the ones that are in positions of power on our planet, it matters to them. So, so it, by default, it matters to me because I'm watching them and they're acting like they're being forced to do something. They're acting like they have to do something. And so I'm curious why they feel that urge. So there may be, a non-human brain behind this whole octopus. And that's, of course, what David Icke talks about. I'll be seeing David in a couple of months in Mexico at a, a Narcopoco. We're both cool. going to be speaking there. And so, um, you know, he, he, that, that sort of stuff, you know, that, that, that sent me off, sent me off into a whole different direction, you know, a whole new orbit. So I appreciate the ideas. I appreciate thinking about that and talking about that, yeah. but, but I, again, like I know people that know way more about that than me. Sure. And those people all have like a hardcore religious background. And so they know the details. They know stuff. And I just go, I don't know that. I don't know anything about, you know, the Old Testament says this, this, and this, and this book says this, this. And I just go, if you say so. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know enough about it. But, uh, but um, well, there's only so much money you can collect. And, and exactly. then and then it gets to a point where it's not about money anymore. It's about power and um, maybe gathering power. And by doing these sacrifices, it goes back to what you're saying. It doesn't matter if you and I believe in these things. What matters is the people who are doing these sacrifices believe in it. Right. It's such a good point, too, because it's it's like, well, you're going to do this for money. It's like. Yeah. This is this is beyond money. Exactly. This is like a this is you are compelled to do this yeah. for some other reason. Maybe mm-hmm. it's power. Maybe sure. it's influence. Maybe you're promised eternal life. I don't know. I don't know what the deal is, but I'm not interested in the deal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I'm not interested in 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 that you want to make it in Hollywood? You know, I'll make you a star. Yeah. But first you got to do X, Y, and Z. Sign the dotted line. Yeah. Yeah. Sign, sign the dotted line. Come here. Yes. Harvey Weinstein wants to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just, I just asked that because whenever we, you know, the bank is set at the top of, of the driving force behind all the tentacles, I think those people, do they really need money? They don't need money. They're above money. So to me, there has to be something, a least a layer or two beyond that. And that's what caused me to ask that question. I think the the banking and the money component is a really great form of control. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It's been, it's very useful to keep people in line. You need this money in order to do the things you need to do, or in order to keep yourself alive, frankly, Mm -hmm. you need this money. So in order to do it, you have to sort of play by these rules and they set the rules. So yeah, money is a, is definitely important in terms of using it for control mm-hmm. and 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 it is not the goal Having, yeah. accumulating more money is not the goal because it's they to, run the central banks it's they to manage just, populations that's it yeah that's it it's it's it is it is a tool for population management it is a tool for i mean that but but what people have asked me like eight tentacles which is the most dangerous i say 
Yes. Banking. <laughs> 100%. Banking is the most dangerous one. Like, really? Even more so than you got military in there. Banking is more dangerous than military. Yes, because the military doesn't happen without the banking and the banking can make decisions and wipe and, and completely cut off entire countries from access to funds and dry them up and starve them out. Look what's happening in Yemen. We're seeing a catastrophe, uh, unimaginable proportions of people just starving to death. Mm -hmm. Bankers do that. Yeah. Mm. Banks starve people to death. Exactly. So I, I, I have no respect for the banks, no, no respect at all for that industry and those people. And, um, and you know, it's funny is that we, you get into this, this world, since we're speaking of like uh, uh, sacrifices and, and, and whatnot, we get into this, this world where we had um, our Dutch banker friend who came out and said he was rising through the ranks in, in the banking world he was at a real, a really high level, but ready to go higher. And they were, you know, he went to the parties and they, there was one party in which they said, uh, you know, here's, here's your next, your next sort of task here is kill this baby. You know, like this is the ritual. This is, this is part, this is, you want in, you're very close, but do it. And he said, I, he said, I couldn't do it. I just, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. And this is Ronald Bernard, a Dutch banker who is very vocal about this. And he's, he's relaying this story and he's just in tears. Mm -hmm. You know, he just is, he just can't, he's saying it's children. It's, I, I don't want it that bad. I don't want to be in the, in this industry. So there is a price you know, there's a, there's a ticket that you have to purchase for admission into this club for sure. And they caught, and they make you compromise yourself. They make you put yourself in a situation where there's no expiration date on that material. If he had done that, they would have him forever. He would have to just commit to that lifestyle, be all about yeah, it. Exactly. Because if he, if he chose to, to leave, you know, they'd destroy him. They blow He'd blow up. Were they going to document it? Him doing oh, that. of of course, yeah, yeah of yeah. course they would have documented yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. That's well, and the other, I think the other element is that all of these are solvable problems. So you know, starvation, homelessness, these are all things that have been created as distractions, and also to probably serve some higher uh, agenda, some higher energy yeah. by creating suffering. Yeah. It's a weird thing to, 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 you know, cause we're good people. We're, we're nice. We don't feed off of the suffering of people, of other people. We, it, it doesn't make sense to us, but, but if you are some, if you're some high level scumbag who thinks that they're talking to an interdimensional entity, who's telling them, I will give you the secrets of the universe, but you need to give me the, the energy that I need to live, which comes from the sacrificing of, of, of souls to me. And then you, you go out and, and start doing this. You are, you're gone. You know, you're on another, you're on another planet that that's, but, but that, that perpetuates a world in which there's just unbelievable suffering. Like you said, it's, it's preventable. You could end uh, hunger in, in, in all of, we in America, we throw away half the food yeah. with a stroke you know, of a pen. We, you could end it. <laughs> yeah. Rich people could end it. 
governments, if they wanted to, could end it, uh, you know, whatever. There, It's a solve, like you said, it's a solvable problem that doesn't get solved. I wonder why that is, because it's not, there's no, there's no appetite to solve it. And so it's like, well, that's, that's weird. If I were king of the world, the first thing I'd do would be to solve it. And they're like, well, that's why you would never be king of the world. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> I read this great article. Sorry to interrupt oh, you. Ahead. I read this great article in of all places, the New York times that said that uh, wealthy people don't see homelessness. They literally walk around with blinders on. And so that's a reality they don't live in. And when I was living and working in Los Angeles and, and living and working in Hollywood, I noted this, that there were people in the industry who had to drive through these underpasses in their Maseratis or their Lamborghinis. And there's, you know, thousands and thousands of homeless encampments on the way to the Hollywood Hills. And it's like, those people just don't exist. Yeah, They just don't exist for them. So I think, again, that's part of this agenda is you have to kind of bifurcate your reality where you're living in this one world and then the rest of the population is living in its own separate world and you just don't interact with that. Never the twain shall meet. Yeah, yeah. And it happens. I mean, even you don't even have to be like a bad guy for that to happen. You can just get so caught up in this rat race and 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 so caught up in like, well, I just have to make senior vice president. And then I make, yes. you know, and, 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 and you're in this, I know because I did it. I know because I did it in real estate. I, I you know, I, I worked my ass off in there to, to, to try and do what I, you know, to, to sell as many houses and make as much money and do all this stuff. And, and I missed a lot. I missed a lot of things because I was focused on, a, on some goal that was important to me at the time, but I missed a bunch of other stuff. It wasn't until I stopped trying to do that stuff that I really kind of opened my eyes to everything else that was going on around me. And I'm glad I did, but I understand how people can get tunnel vision and can, and can get into a situation where they just don't see anybody around them. I, re- I went to San Francisco a couple of years ago and uh, after it had, you know, really fallen apart mm. and I specifically was looking for the homelessness and, and the, the, you know, I was, I wanted to see, I was doing the opposite of those people. I was specifically looking for it and I was looking to see where it was in relation to everything else. And what I found was that in San Francisco, you, you can't really do the LA thing where you just go, Oh, I'm going to pretend like I don't see it (laughs) in San Francisco. The, the entry door to your high rise condo building has 30 people sleeping in front yeah. of them. Yeah. And you've got a garage entrance on one side and a garage exit on the other side. So you're coming and going from one side to the other. And when you drive in and out, you can't help but see it. If you go down to get your mail in the lobby, you see everybody out there shooting heroin in your lobby or right out in front of you. I mean, it's impossible to, to miss that stuff. So what, what the the juxtaposition of this silicon valley you know tech center billionaires millionaires you know everywhere and people pissing on the sidewalk mm-hmm. while you're at, out outdoor at a restaurant having brunch 
Exactly. And that's, that's the reality of San Francisco. And it is so crazy to me that we've normalized that, that, that people aren't just completely up in arms about that. It just, it, it just goes to show that like, you can, if you give, if you give society enough time, they just, they'll just normalize insanity. On many levels is what, <laughs> what uh, tentacle would the, is there one that had to do with, I should have had the list in front of me. Sorry. I wrote it down. Oh, you did. Mm-hmm. Oh, then I need to put my glasses on. <laughs> and maybe I should formulate this question when I have it. But I was going to say uh, the kind of insanity that we are inclusive of right now. I shouldn't say we, <clears throat> but many are inclusive of now the gender stuff, the race yeah. stuff. Like this is, uh, you know, the left. And I'm just going to, I mean, I hate saying that because it makes me sound like I'm on the right, but I'm I, not I have on the same problem. Yes. You know, you know, I've, I've, yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> you know, the dilemma, uh, has gotten so inclusive that, you know, that we've lowered the bar for humanity in so many ways. Uh, what tentacle do you think that that would fall under? <sighs> I'm so tempted to make a joke. <laughs> changing genders or something. You know? Oh, please do. An octopus can they change What are the gender? animals that can change genders? I know that there are a couple of them out there. I don't slugs? Know. Slugs. Yeah, yeah. Right, slugs. Yeah, this is the slug. All right. So this is the, uh, it's, you know, it's, 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 I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it would be, let's see if I could fit it into, to one of these. Maybe it would, it might be media control, to be honest. Right. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's such an abnormal and unnatural thing to talk about, like, well, I'm cake gender. And everyone's like, yeah. why do you have that thought? <laughs> That's not something you would normally have. You have that because of TikTok or Instagram or YouTube or your nightly news or whatever. I mean, it's, there's some screen that's telling kids. And I say kids specifically because this wasn't a problem when I was growing up, but it is now. And I have an 11 year old and I have to worry if she's going to come home one day and think that she's a, a saber tooth tiger or something, you know, <laughs> I don't know. But, but this, this idea is that the media can make you believe absurdities. They can make you believe that there's 114 different genders out there, you know, and that is, fascinating as a writer i'm fascinated by that like wow but as a human being and a member of society with a family i'm i'm terrified of that power the power that the media has they can make you they can make insane ideas given enough time seem plausible mm-hmm. they can they can they can start wars you know they yeah. can they can i mean gender confusion is one thing but you get the media all in agreement that they're going to start talking about, do we, do we bomb Iran next week, the week after that, or three weeks from now? And everyone's like, I don't want to bomb Iran ever, but give that a year of them doing that every single day, talking about Iran and Iran. Mm-hmm. And then ask that question a year from now, when do we bomb? And they're like, why haven't we done it already? Yeah. You know? yeah exactly. So the media component of this, I would say, you know, if I had to sort of go down and say, who's running the gender thing? Well, mm-hmm. there's, there's a lot of people sort of involved in that, a lot of big money behind that. It's, a, it's certainly an agenda. The medical. But, but the, the media's role in normalizing insanity is very dangerous. That's why if I, I, I think the banking tentacle is the most dangerous for humanity. 
but the the tentacle that I have the most contempt for is the media. I, I, I simply despise them. They're such liars and they know they're lying. And then, and they lie with a straight face and accuse you of being the liar. And I hate that. So, so I think that the media does, you know, it's gender today and it's kind of funny and weird and we don't really even know the ramifications of it, but, but you know what the media is also trying to normalize right now in Canada, uh, your own selective suicide. Mm -hmm. I've heard a little about that, but I don't know much. Yeah. Yeah. It's called maids. It's called maids and it is medical assistance in dying. And Canada has started to normalize that there in 2021, there were 10,000 medical assisted suicides in Canada. Are these people with terminal diseases or people that are just sick of living? So in, in June of 2016, it became legal. And then in March of 2021, the law was amended and they added a new piece, two sentences into this that, that now says, quote, the law no longer requires a person's natural death to be reasonably foreseeable to access medical assistance in dying. So you don't even have to be like, I have stage 12 cancer. It's coming for me next month. I'm dead. I want to go now. Mm-hmm. I feel hor- hor- You don't even need that. You can be depressed it's- or have have a lot of bills. That's insane. Yeah. You yeah, have- yeah, yeah. The, the guy they were interviewing was talking about that. He's like, you know, I'm I'm medically I'm injured and I, and I've never felt right and and I'm and I'm in this one bedroom place and they're throwing me out and I don't really have anywhere else to go. So I've signed up for this program to medically end my life. And it's like, where are we? Like, what are we doing? This is wow. this is this is crazy. And and this and and there's also now they're starting. So so the reason why I say like the media can make absurdities seem plausible. Mm-hmm. They've also got this this company called Simon, which is a home decor and clothing company. And Simon made a short film that they turned into a commercial for their stores that features a, a, a lady named Jennifer Hatch her, talking about her planned assisted suicide. And they've done this whole campaign. They did this film and they filmed it. And she's sitting on a beach and she's kind of pondering his voiceover. You know, I always wondered what it would be like to take my last breath and you know, the, the power that I feel and taking control of my death and blah, 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 blah. And I'm listening to this and I'm just going, this is so bad. I can see where this is going. This yeah. is, this is, this is going to a place where you're going to have suicide pods. At the or mall. suicide parties. Suicide yeah. parties. <laughs> exactly. Well, I, I just recorded an episode of macroaggressions where I was talking about that. I just did it today. So that's why this is all kind of fresh in my mind, but mm-hmm. it's like, you know, I was, I was kind of saying that they're, that, you know, in this ad, it felt like an Abercrombie and Fitch ad, yeah. you know, where they're selling lifestyle, but really what they're selling is death style. Right. How do you want to go out? And, and I thought, wow, we have really reached the end of humanity. You know, if we're, if we're coming up with fancy ways to make killing yourself sound cool. Is this the clean needles version of suicide? I mean, like people are going to do it anyway, so why not do it in the safety and comfort of a clinical setting? Pretty much, yeah, I think so. That's 
But I think the media isn't its own um, entity. I think the media is really an agent for the government, for the military, for the bankers. So they're really just the the talking box that is is really propagating all of this propaganda and all of the the shit that these other tentacles want to enact. I agree. I agree a hundred percent because I I've said it this way before, whether it's JFK or nine 11 or COVID, the media is always driving the getaway car. Exactly. Always are in none of these things would stick. None of the things that you believe about those three events you would believe if it wasn't for the persistent coverage and the narrative crafting of the media, where the media says, this is what happened. Lone gunman, lone gunman. Uh, anything else is a conspiracy theory. You know, uh, Oswald acted alone. Ruby shot Os- Oswald, blah, blah, blah. And you go, and you go I have questions. I go, no, 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 no. Science is settled, you know? Yeah. And so, and then you get to 9-11 and the same thing. And they take 19 Arab hijackers with box cutters. And you go, I have questions. They said, nope, you're not allowed to ask questions. And you go, well, COVID. They go, everyone's going to die and we're, you all have to take this magic potion. It's like, I have questions. They said, no, no. So when you're not allowed to ask questions about the event and the media and the government are working together, you know, something bad is happening. Exactly. So I, I agree with you that yeah. the, the media is, is, is they're not, they're not in it to make money either. Yeah. You know, like we make this assumption like, oh, CNN's losing a bunch of money. Or they're only making a billion dollars a year or anything. CNN could lose a billion dollars a year. It's yeah. a lost leader for the for the powers that be. They don't care. Yeah, it, I mean, maybe CNN's a bad example because they've they've really lost their power to control people. But but at at their peak mm-hmm. when they had control over it, it didn't matter if that entity was making a dollar or losing a ton of money. It had a different reason for existing, and that was to get people into some acceptable version of reality. Let them debate rigorously inside that acceptable reality mm-hmm. and anything outside of that, you just come down hard on them and ridicule anybody that gets right out any, yeah. any direction outside on either end, yeah. uh, far left or far right. Just, just shut them down immediately. But here's where you're allowed to, you're allowed to talk about this. You're allowed to d- discuss it. You're allowed to red team versus blue team, this and all this stuff, but we don't, you can talk about this stuff all day long. Don't talk about the real things. Don't talk about right. this other stuff that's kind of outside of that because not because it's not true. Yeah. You know, if because you it want is. to talk about because it is true. Yeah. That's why they don't want you to talk. I mean, if you want to go, I got I've got news on Elvis was spotted at the Target in Littleton, Colorado. And I saw him down there. He's eating ding dongs on aisle four and everything. <laughs> all day long. You talk about that all day long. Yeah. Yep minute you start talking about i think this might have been made in a laboratory or i don't think it could yeah. you know there yeah. goes your channel there goes yeah. there yeah. goes everything yeah so but we can say the same about fox news because 70 percent of fox advertising it comes from the pharmaceutical industry and, and what has created this division is that if you believe, if you quote unquote believe in CNN, then you can't watch Fox News. You can't believe in Fox News. If you watch Fox News, then you can't believe or watch CNN. So if you watch both, you see that they're both rubbish. 
you see that they're both full of shit and they're they're focusing on a different aspect of the same lie yeah yeah and it's it's really tough for like the 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 average person that goes to work and and busts their butt and comes home and makes dinner for the kids and you gets them ready for bed and they, like they don't have, they don't have unlimited time yeah 30 minutes maybe figure sure. out what's going on in the world turn on the news maybe I watch it while I'm making dinner you know maybe I watch it after the kids go to bed whatever you that's what you get right so you you get this amount of time to to tell the people what the what the world is like and then they go on about their daily lives and everything now if you never question that you live in a different world than everybody that does question it and i have been on both sides of that i've been in the in the camp that just said well, i don't know what's going on in the world i mean the news is saying this is what's happening i have no reason to distrust them necessarily i I don't know what's going on in Somalia. They seem to be there and they're telling me that everything's fine. And I don't know. So, but, but the minute you start to dig into that and you find out why these corporations, you know, why the media is telling you what they're telling you. And then you find out, you go, well, wait a second. I feel this, this was my, this was how I explained the, the, the meat, the vaccine, the vaccine question pre COVID I would say people would say like, well, if vaccines were dangerous, like you say they are, surely I would have heard about it on my nightly news. And it, since I haven't heard about it on my nightly news, I really don't know what you're talking about. And it sounds kind of crazy to me. So maybe you're wrong. That's, you know, that would be the pitch. That would be what they would say to me. And it would be like, well, and I, my response would be, did you know that the mainstream media in America gets anywhere from 50 to 70% of their advertising revenue from the pharmaceutical industry. They would say, no, I didn't know that. And say, okay. So knowing if you get 50 to 70, let's just say you get 60% of your advertising revenue from the pharmaceutical industry. Are you going to be from a business standpoint, not a, not an actual news reporting standpoint, but from a business standpoint, are you going to write a big expose on how the pharmaceutical industry is killing people? Probably not. Yeah. Right. Because, because all your money would walk right out the door. So the reason why you haven't seen the big expose on vaccines on your nightly news is because your nightly news has a financial incentive to not run that story. Exactly. And then, and so people make this assumption that it just because they didn't see it on their nightly news, that, that it must not exist. It must not be true, but there's actually reasons why you're not seeing that on your nightly news. You're not going to see the big thing about, you know, Anderson Cooper is not going to say, you know, guys, vaccines are super dangerous and here's why, and here's the Veris court and here's how much money they've paid out. And this is what all the people that are, that are sick from never going to happen. And so like, there are certain generations that, that say, well, you know, I turn on the news and if it's on the news, then it's happening. And if it's not on the news, then it's probably not happening. And so they believe mistakenly because they've never seen that story on vaccines that, the, the vaccines must not, there must not be any story to tell about that. And that's a very dangerous assumption to make. So, so, you know, we're, we, we get into this, this new world, this, this world now of, of COVID and, 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 and everything. And the same sort of philosophy applies, you know, if people mm -hmm. watching Fox news are like, Oh, you know, we're, you know, we got to get this Fauci guy out of here. And we're going to go, hang on a second. You're watching Fox news. They have the same situation. They're still getting 70% of their ad revenue from the pharmaceutical industry too. 
So you're not getting the straight information when, as long as there's a financial incentive yeah. component to this, mm -hmm. to the news where, where they have to be accountable to their advertisers then they can't very well shit on their advertisers exactly. <laughs> and keep their business running. You, you, so instead what they do is they lie and lie by omission or they just lie. And when you do that, you wind up like CNN and you lose 91% of your audience in two years. Yeah. And that's where we are right now. The media has, has lost their trust. Great. They should never have had it in the first place, but they're losing it. People are tuning out. And I, I see this as a very positive sign. It's, it's not happening fast enough for, for me, but it's, it's definitely a trend in the right direction that, that people are starting to go, you know, I'm not really sure if what they're telling me on the nightly news is 100% true. I think maybe they don't know it all. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good. Start there with yes. maybe the people on the news made a mistake. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Well, and the, the collective PTSD of an event like JFK assassination, like 9-11, like COVID, is that they use the propaganda is airing these things, as you said, 24 hours a day for years. So what it's doing is collectively traumatizing the public yes. into this place where it lowers your intelligence and lowers your ability to discern what you're viewing because you are being traumatized. So it's basically like living in a clockwork orange on a cycle, a 24-hour news cycle. For sure. In fact, I just had this conversation a couple of days ago because I was watching football and I'm a huge football sports fan and worked in the industry and love, love the game and all that stuff. Watching football, a guy gets rolled up on and it's, it's bad, right? His knee goes a direction it's not supposed to go. Mm. And they go to commercial and they come back. And when they come back, they're carting the guy off and the announcers say, you know, we're just not going to show you that one again. <laughs> a little too, a little too graphic, a little too gory. And I think, well, that's funny. You'll show me 9-11. You'll show me those buildings going down on a loop. Yeah. I've seen that 5,000 times. Yeah. So why is, why, why is the, why, why, if I'm watching a thousand people get obliterated and pulverized and dustified, why is that okay? But I can't watch a guy blow his ACL out. Yeah. You remember so, when, when uh, Joe Montana broke his leg in the game and that was on a loop. And I was like, I cannot believe they keep showing this. It's, it was gross. <laughs> yeah, do you remember that? <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. And, and so there is a, there is a component to this. Let's just call it what it is. Trauma based mind control. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And they yeah. show you nine 11, a snuff film over and over and over and over again. And they, they could very easily say, you've seen it. You don't need to see it again, but they don't do that. They yeah. want you to see it. They mm -hmm. want you to rel relive that trauma. Exactly. Even if you weren't alive for it. I mean, mm -hmm. I was, I was very much alive watching that going, I can't believe I'm seeing this, but, and, and they could have, they could have said, you know, it's graphic. We're, we're just, if you want to see it, go on the internet and find it yourself, but we're just not going to show it to you. Yeah. That's not the case. It's the, cover of time magazine mm -hmm. it's the it's the you know it's just a loop over and over buildings coming buildings coming, planes coming in what does that do to you it's it, it it does something to your mind you know i don't know exactly how it all works but but that that trauma 
stays with you and it's in and it it puts things in your subconscious and i think that a lot of what these people do is operate in a different plane of existence where we're dealing with the conscious and they're dealing with programming us on a subconscious level exactly. too where where we are very unequipped to deal with that where where we don't even know we don't even know we don't even yeah. know what how, how far i mean the average person doesn't know how powerful the subconscious is they know yes right they have tavistock institute working on this they have scientists working on this they have lsd experiments they have all kinds of things they know the power of that of your subconscious and so when i see they're not trying to get me to feel one way or another about a war in afghanistan by showing me some guy blowing his knee out right but they want me to feel a certain way when they when i see those planes going into buildings they want me to feel a certain way and they and they they have done that on a level that is um that 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 i think is is it's almost like a it's like magic it's like magic to us you know to program someone's subconscious Woo. charlie uh maybe you before we bow out here you can tell people where they can find you and your work online sure so my podcast is called macro aggressions it goes out twice a week once as a monologue and once as an interview it's in video format and audio format so as a podcast everywhere in video it's on rockfin odyssey band.video vigilante.tv uh my website is the octopus of that's the name of first book i've yes. written three books uh -huh. um all the books can be found on amazon you can follow me on twitter at macroaggression <laughs> if you want to where i argue with robots more than likely <laughs> i tell i tell myself they're not robots but we all know they are of course and uh and and yeah and and then i'm speaking at at um i'm speaking at an arcapulco again this 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 year so for anyone that wants to get out of the cold in mm -hmm. february and go to acapulco mexico please do i'll be there with uh ron paul max egan larkin rose david ike del big tree mark cool. passio bunch of doctors. Yeah, it'll be good. So, so I encourage people if they're interested in, in my work, take a look, but thank you guys for having me on. Oh, I, I, I always enjoy these, these deep dives because it's, it's not necessarily the solution, but it is definitely part of the solution. It is, yeah. it is having the conversation and, and talking about this stuff and verbalizing it. And, and from there, it, it allows you to sort of make moves accordingly. So thanks yes. for the opportunity. I really oh, appreciate it. Yeah, it's our, completely our pleasure. And we will have you again uh, on, on again, not have you again. We'll have you again. That sounds, you can have me again. Sounds kind of racy, doesn't it? Sure, sure. <laughs> uh, after we read your latest book, which is called? Hypocrisy, mm -hmm. Surviving in a World of Cultural Double Standards. Yes, I can't wait to oh, read it. Oh, I have some fun in that one. That <laughs> one... I brought, there's so, there's like 400 footnotes in there because the insanity is so, it's, there's so much crazy stuff in the book that I had to document all of it because otherwise you'd just think I was making it up. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, if it's yeah. anywhere as well researched as the first book, then I can't wait to sink my teeth into it. So thank you. Yes. We'll talk a little down the road, Charlie. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat. It's an honor Thanks, and a guys. pleasure to meet you. Yes. Thank you. It's nice, nice to meet you both, too. Yes. Have a good rest of your evening. You too. Bye. Farewell. Bye. Are we, are we We're alive? on. Are we on? We're on. <laughs> wow.
Charlie, Charlie, Charlie. Yes. I love that he mentioned in the second hour Russell Blaylock mm-hmm. because that's where my research in the masking issue started was with Russell Blaylock. Yeah. Um, I believe he quotes him and thousands of other people, well, maybe hundreds, that would be more of an accurate uh, assessment in the the book that I just got done reading, The uh, Octopus of Global Control. Absolutely excellent book. I highly recommend it. I read an ebook version of it, but I'm wanting to order the hard copy just to have around as a reference. Maybe keep it on the coffee table. I like he. I like he too. Yeah. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. It's so riveting and interesting and I love his just kind of the way he's distilled this down. Uh again, the these topics can be so overwhelming because there's so many things to try to kind of keep track of and and to see how it's all interrelated and and how these things are all enmeshed and work together is so powerful and so important. And so I think uh, this book is a must read for anyone who is, this is, it would be a great primer for someone who is conspiracy curious. Yeah. And it's not really, I mean, that's the thing I, when I asked him about the, you know, is there any dark forces do you suspect behind all of this uh, banking and military and stuff like that? He didn't really cover that in the book. Um, it was more of a stick to the facts kind of deal. Um, a lot of, uh, probably at least, well, maybe not half, but maybe a third uh, at least uh, of the information was quotes or excerpts from books or speeches or something like that. So he very much stays on, do I bore you? No, not at all. He very, very much stays on task as far as just the facts. Um, he doesn't really go off on long tangents of, of um, conjecture or anything like that. Uh, so yeah, uh, conspiracy, yeah. But like you posted some some little clip of uh, some comedian who's saying, "I don't really get people who who don't say they don't believe in conspiracies. Every conspiracy, like." What's what's the rest of that? <laughs> he's yeah. He's basically saying like the government is fucked up, and of course the government is conspiring against you. Yeah, I think what I was going to bring up uh, in the conversation too is that the something that I've seen during the last couple of years that I haven't really noticed before. Maybe it was there, and I just wasn't really paying attention because I didn't sit around soaking up lots of media. But uh, how many? Uh, uh, preemptive fires uh, were attempted to be extinguished by uh, warning people of all these conspiracy theories and conspiracy theorists uh, who had all these wild ideas about just about everything that was outside of the the narrative that you're supposed to pay attention to. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Ron Funches is the name of the comedian. Yeah, it's he looked familiar. Did we see a whole? show of him i've i've watched him before he was on uh, i want to say he used to be on the chelsea handler show but i've seen his stand-up before you know hey you guys gotta eat you know (laughs) not a big fan of chelsea Handler. yeah you know whatever i you know chelsea schmelsey but i i like his comedy i think he's he's on point uh when he makes that 
that type of a remark. Mm-hmm. He's brave. Yeah. Brave. I like the way that Charlie handles this information too, because he, he doesn't speak like somebody who is, is rendered cynical by it. Um, he still has the spark of life in him, um, of curiosity and fascination, even though a lot of this stuff is really heavy shit and, and tragic and dark. Yeah. But he puts it in a way that, um, doesn't, it doesn't, uh, What's burden you with uh, yeah. the the the? Why can't I fucking articulate? Can you finish my sentences for me? I think part of what you're trying to say is that he still has a spark of optimism, and yeah. my my um, instinct tells me that's because he has an 11 year old daughter, and so he doesn't want to, you know, get caught in the idea that all of this you know, these bad actors and, and this predatorial universe we live in is a foregone conclusion. He yeah. wants to feel that there's some hope for his daughter's future. And he has every right to feel that way because none of these things are um, set. I think that's the the nature of everything that's happening is that there is a fluidity to it. And so where, you know, kind of as we were touching upon about what happened with the COVID thing, that there were kind of two very distinct camps that were birthed out of that, which is the people who took that as an opportunity to comply and be good soldiers. And then there was this other group of people who maybe hadn't really dipped into the conspiracy world before who suddenly were like, Hey, let's wait a second here. Like now I've got, I don't have to go to work every day. Let me take an opportunity to, to dig into this a little bit. Yeah. I said us, I popped in there and said us, but you didn't finish what you were saying. That is not us. It was maybe us when we were five um, Shit. I know when he was talking about his parents, I was like, well, my mom was talking about the CIA when I was five. So. Yeah, I didn't even pay attention and know who was president half the time. Oh, I did know who was president because they made fun of it all the time on Saturday Night Live. Yeah, I but, did. I, you know, which is unfortunate on some level because maybe I wanted a guy like Charlie to be my dad, but I ended up more with, you know, 12 monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> that's a way of putting it in a wrestling costume um yeah i could see charlie being the kind of newscaster that i would pay attention to he should do his own version of the daily show yeah he's great yeah. he's definitely he's definitely got uh a charm about him mm-hmm. and he's got the look that he could be on television sure. and he reminds me of someone I, who shall go nameless that I used to work for a Hollywood actor that I used to work for. He looks a lot like him. And so when he was speaking, I was like, wow, this is weird. This is like the Stepford thing. Like if this guy that I used to work for, if he actually, you know, dipped his reality into, you know, this world, it would be Charlie. So that was a weird, a weird thing that I noticed. Those people are weird. <laughs> Anywho, is there Anywho. any other? 
closing comments that you have? Uh, so we don't have to tell people what we talked about in the second hour. Because if you're listening to this, oh no. No, I put the, I, no, oh I put the, no, I put the epilogue um, yes. on the end of both versions yep. of the episode. So, so did you write down what we talked about in the I did. Hour? I cool. wrote Russell Blaylock, um, Macroaggressions, which is... His, his podcast, excellent podcast, um, Octopus of Global Control, um, which is the book that uh, Chris read. Then he's got Hippo Crazy, which is his new book, which we highly recommend that you guys support Charlie Robinson and get that new book. Um, but it, uh, one thing that I know we talked about in the first hour, but I just want to make sure that we touch on again is that a lot of this started for him with the John Perkins book, Confessions of an Economic Hitman. And I would urge you guys to, and gals, to to uh, find that book and read that book because I think, it, again, it's, it's one of these things where anyone who's laying out a specific uh, arm of this octopus in a, in a very cogent manner is a book that should be read. So I'm going to go find that book right now. I'm going to run out of this room on the streets looking for it. Screaming, calling for it. (laughs) With no shoes on. Yeah, bookie, bookie. In the cold. Very cold outside. (laughs) It's cold here. Well, thank you all for listening. Um, Hopefully you were able to glean something positive out of that. I certainly did. I'm glad we had Charlie on, and I look forward to having him on again. I and did. I feel charged up by mm-hmm. that interview. I really, you know, I I feel so happy when we speak to people who get it and understand yeah. what the fuck is going on. And it does, there, there's something galvanizing about that. And yeah. I know that... You know, we don't know who's listening to this, and we certainly hope that these interviews and these conversations galvanize you. But just know that you're not alone if you have any questions or doubts about what the mainstream narrative is. You are are supported and loved, and there's people out in the world who get it, too, and are curious, too, and, and you're talking and listening to two of them if you're talking to us we can't hear you but we could if <laughs> she you talk to, louder she talks to <laughs> movies we watch all the time how dare you how dare i point out the truth isn't that <laughs> why, why i'm here fact you want me That's to just be fact. your yes man nope okay <laughs> If you have any guest suggestions, casserole recipes, praise, or criticism, criticism bring it. Bring it. <laughs> we want it. We the, love it. The Melt Podcast at ProtonMail.com or shout out to Hunter-Muse at ProtonMail.com. Please no more dick pics. I'm just kidding. I'm not getting any dick pics. And it's the please, first time hearing about and it. And please don't send me any dick pics. Whatever you you just planted. It's like his his mom saying or his grandma saying, "Charlie's." It was, it was grandpa. Grandpa, don't smoke the weeds. Like you just put, you just planted ideas. But send me pictures of people named Dick, like Dick Nixon. 
Tickdale. <laughs> we'll go with that. <laughs> I love you. We love you. I love you. I love you. <laughs> uh, now I'm all confused. <laughs> you said I love you, and I thought you were talking to me, but you were looking at the I microphone. I said it in a way that it should have been you, but I was looking at it, so I'm confused. I'm totally confused. I think I need oh, to eat. Yeah. Okay. We I, love you. We hope you enjoyed it, and there's, of course, as always, lots of great stuff. And if there's anybody you'd like to see on the show, please let us know. All right. Until next time. Meow. Ta-ta. Vaccine. Just a little jab. Don't worry, mate. It's not that bad. Small price to pay. Full proven protection that could save your ass from a COVID infection. Yeah, yeah. Science has done it again. A new solution to the mess that we're in. Creating a new way to save the planet so we can get back to our regular habits. But here's the issue, and it's quite severe. We need everyone in, or the result is clear. The virus will loiter outside your home, try to steal your breath, infect your dough. But if everyone is keen to go and get the vax, you're going to be safe in the face of virus attacks. Defend ourselves from no mutations, party sensations across the nation. Vax the nation, vax, vax the nation, vax the nation, vaccinate the nation, vax the nation, vax, vax the nation, vax. Vaccinate the nation. I like the idea, but how we get them so soon? Doesn't a vaccine take 10 years to produce? Oh, funding, yeah. It could take a wee while. But COVID had that cash lined up for fucking miles. Reason it went quicker, cause the money rolled in thicker. Meaning trials could be bigger, more results to deliver. I know what you're thinking. I'm young, I'm healthy. The virus won't affect me. How, how could Pfizer help me? me? Long term effects, not on this bot. On God, Delta will keep your dicks off. Inability to orgasm, damage to your lungs. That's a heavy price to pay. Don't be fucking dumb Be on the watch for misinformation And trust the nerds deep in the situation Vax the nation Vaccinate the nation What? Vax the nation Vaccinate the nation What? Vax the nation Vaccinate the nation What? Yeah man, this all sounds great And I can't wait to keep my community safe But how do I go and get this vax? Like, what's the protocol? Do I pay tax? Nah, man. It's totally free. Just register yourself with Book My Vaccine. Wait for an email or text to then yield, and you'll be more attractive to Dr. Bloomfield. Vaccines will be transmission, lower hospital admissions, the case of breakthrough. It will reduce any symptoms. So go get your spot. It'll make you more hot. Over a billion worldwide have taken their shot. Less to get mine. I sit there in the line, saving the world without even really trying. Yeah, yeah. Give me that shot, bro. 